Okay. This is Mark 11, verses 1 through 11. When they were approaching Jerusalem at Bethpage and Bethany, near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, go into the village ahead of you. And immediately as you enter it, you will find tied there a coat that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Just say, the Lord needs it and will send it back here immediately. They went away and found a coat tied near a door outside in the street. As they were untying it, some of the bystanders said to them, what are you doing untying that coat? And they told them what Jesus had said, and they allowed them to take it. Then they brought the coat to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut in the fields. Then those who went ahead and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Then he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the 12. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Now, Lord, this is your time. This is Passion Sunday, Palm Sunday. This is the beginning of your awesome journey. Allow us to reflect on that journey with you, Lord, and allow us to embrace ourselves and immerse ourselves in the journey so that we might journey with thee. May the words that I speak bring you praise, O oh God, and never, never shame. It is always about you, never about me. Let me decrease as you increase, and we shall give you all the praise and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. In a summer retreat, the uh, retreat leader asked the uh, young participants, what's the greatest journey that you've ever heard of? And they started raising their hands and talking about the journey of Columbus and, and discovery of the uh, North Pole and Charles Lindbergh's flight across the Atlantic and so many different things. But one special needs kid raised his hand and he said, the journey of Jesus into Jerusalem. It's a powerful, powerful witness. What's the greatest journey you've ever heard of? That short 20 mile journey that Jesus took and I think about life itself and the journey that we all take as men and women of God. Had it not been for that journey of Jesus, we would our journeys wouldn't matter. Our journeys matter because Jesus came, lived and died for us. As he came into Jerusalem, people were expecting him and it was, it was a dangerous time. The Roman government was watching him, keeping tabs on him. And whatever he did or whatever he said was going to be monitored. And the people themselves had to be very careful because if they gave a glimpse of their support of Jesus over the powers of the Roman government, but something 
majestical happened that day. There was a transformation that people didn't seem to worry about the Roman government. They were so proud that the that the old Old Testament, the writings and 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 the the prophetic word of the coming of a master. They were so proud that they just firmly believed that the master was coming. And how did he come? Did he come with war chariots? Did he come with swords? Did he come with uh, military machines? And now he came riding on a coat, a donkey. He came majestically because when kings came in for war, they rode proud and beautiful stallions. But when they came in peace, they rode on a donkey. And so Jesus, is, his, his whole journey, it implied that this man comes in peace and the people through their cloaks and palms down, which represented royalty, which, re which represented somebody extremely important. And he came among the people and he didn't ask for them to lift him up. He just came to them to say, I bring you peace. What's your life like these days? And how's your journey? Is it an incredible journey? Is it a tedious one? Are you tired? Are you worn out and just sick and tired of being tired? I tell you this morning, if Jesus had not lived, whatever journey you're on, wouldn't that matter? Because it would come to a crashing close, life and death, and that's it. But because Jesus lived, and this, this week begins his journey, a quick, fast journey of teaching, learning, living and dying and people getting embraced and getting ready, getting ready to sense something, to feel something, and more importantly, to, to believe something, to believe that this promise was being fulfilled, to believe that they had a ransom for their sins, to believe that they had someone that would be with them from the cradle to the grave, to believe that they had someone that they could trust. And in our world, trust is such a such a such an important thing today. Who do you trust? Who's got your back? Who loves and cares for you? Well, you might say that I'm tough enough. I don't need anybody, really. I'm hardened by life. I'm seasoned by being a soldier, being a veteran, being in a fraternity, being in a sorority, just just a living. I'm I'm bad to the bone. But all of us. There'll come a time when we will, the strength will ebb from our veins and we will get weak and we will get tired and we will need to lean on something or somebody. I'm so glad that that leaning post, the leaning tree is a Jesus who came to give himself, himself for you and for me. And I'm so glad that this holy week, this holy time represents that journey. And it, and it helps us reflect on our own journey what are we doing on our journey? Are we following the master? Are we following Jesus Christ? Is our journey from the cradle to the grave and beyond is our journey? Does it matter? Are we leaving the world better than we found it? Are we doing something that's meaningful? Are we doing something that God would be proud of? Are you doing something that your parents would be proud of? What is your journey like? What have you achieved? Has it, has it all been for you? Has it all been for status? Has it all been for name recognition? What have you done? Journey of one of my classmates, uh, Leonard Hamilton, you know the name. Leonard Hamilton is one of the few co black coaches left in the, in the uh, Sweet 16. Uh, played basketball 
under, in undergrad at the University of Tennessee at Martin, Tennessee, coached a lot of wonderful places. And now he's coaching at the uh, uh, Florida State. And his kids will play today in the Sweet 16. Leonard Hampton is a capper, and that's okay. <laughs> but we were friends, and we were friends in, a, in college. And he was just a special kind of guy. And my sister-in-law lives in Tallahassee where he lives. And the thing that she admires most about Leonard Hamilton is that with all his fame and glory, he's a prominent active member of the Baptist church that she goes to. His journey through sports and heroics and all that stuff has still been a journey that has led him to God's house. It has been a journey that says, I'm not too important. I'm not too powerful. I've got time. He gives his resources. He gives his time. He gives his energy, not just to his profession, but to his church, to his God. What an awesome journey to have. Can we say that on our journey, as we, as we start our journey, when times get tough, when the government goes against us, when our job goes against us, when people go against us, that we are still marching on? We still are noble people with our heads held high. We still live and die for a cause. We still believe that we can confront evil, sin, racism, whatever's out there. We are still on the journey because God has paved a way for us. Our ancestors have paved the way for us and it matters. They are attempting to pass a law in Georgia that says that it's illegal to give food and water the people standing in line. If that doesn't break your heart, not because they are attempting to pass the law, but because people who go to church every Sunday, Baptists, Methodists, Episcopalians, Catholics, Mormons, people who go to church every Sunday, everybody who claims to love the cross ought to be outraged. Regardless of what party you belong to, the fact that you can't give a thirsty person water, you can't give them food. What does the scripture say? I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me water or you didn't do that. Nobody seems to be outraged. We just mumble, folk just mumble. But we're, we see people violate the gospel who's standing in the gap for God. I am convinced that those two on the spiritual journey towards sanctification will be the ones who stand in the gap and say enough is enough on this journey, our journey like Jesus, knowing what the end will be, but also knowing that I will rise again. If you break, if you turn me into, I will rise again because Jesus went to his journey, came out of the tomb and he stands ready and in solidarity with all God's hurting people. What's your journey like? Can you say on your journey that you gave water to a thirsty person? Can you say on your journey you gave food to a hungry person? Can you say on your journey that you were just a good person? Can you say on your journey that you bow, you bow down, you get hit your knees every night to pray? Can you say on your journey and you get up in the morning and you're, and you're driving alone that you were just praising God for who God is? Can you say that you praise God at the birth of your children? Can you say you praise God for your marriage? Can you say you praise God just because you woke up this morning through the storm and some folk didn't? And did you say a prayer for those families who didn't have somebody waking up this morning? 
your journey, my journey, it's only incredible if we understand the gospel. It's only incredible if we follow the master. It's only incredible if we understand and know that regardless of what else ever happened in this universe, the fact that Jesus came and lived and died for you and for me, it matters. This holy week ought to be a time of looking deep into your soul. Ought to be a time of remembrance, remembering the journey. It ought to be a time of remembering your ancestors. It ought to be a time that maybe you ought to visit the cemetery and say to those who brought you this thus far, I am glad you live. I am glad that I'm a part of your stock. I am glad that you are part of my family. As you watch television this week, the young lady who was dragged out of the capital in Georgia, I was blessed that when that she was a little kid that she came to visit Cynthia's in-laws, her and her brothers, little kids. And when they named her and I and Cynthia said, this, that's the same kid that you knew, this is the same kid, this, this is a part of her family. She emerged from a stock in Stanton, Tennessee, of people who gave their life's blood so that people might have a right to vote, so that people might have life and have it abundantly. She, she, it's in her genes, it's in her DNA to stand in the gap. And she stood there knowing that bad things could happen, but she stood there knowing that her ancestors called from the graves for her to do something significant to make a difference in this broken world. And I know that I, I was telling something, I know your family has to be proud, not because she got the, in the spotlight, but because she stood there representing God for other people. That's, that's her journey, her young journey. So what would your journey be? What will people say about you on your journey? Will they say that you lived and you live life abundantly? Will they say that you journey with others? Will they say that you love richly, you love deeply, you cared beyond measure? Will they say that you represented, you were the hands and feet of God? Will they say that you modeled Jesus well? It's a challenge during this Holy Week not to get distracted. A challenge not to worry about the suit you're gonna wear, not to worry about the dress you're gonna wear, not to worry about the stuff you're gonna wear. Not worry about looking good, but worry about being good. Not worry about the Easter bunny and all the trappings of Easter. Those things are okay as long as you know in your heart the real and true story. All the festival things we do, there's nothing wrong with the festival thing, bunnies and eggs and stuff. It makes fun for our children. But let them know that as they grow older, they will face adversity, they will face pain, they'll face suffering. They'll face a lot of things and they cannot face them by themselves. The Easter Bunny will not save them. Candy rabbits can't save them. But there's a Jesus who lived and died and who's here for us. And because who, who Jesus is, we can celebrate, we can say thank you. 
And this ought to be a week of reflection, ought to be a week of great joy knowing the pain and agony, but also knowing that, that there will be a reckoning, there will be a crossroads period, also knowing that this week tells us who we are and whose we are, this, this holy week lifts us up from the muck and mire of our sin, this holy week launches us into preferred future. This Holy Week says you are somebody, you are kings and queens, you are, you are young men and women and old men and old women and those yet to be unborn, you are, we will be the offspring of giants because you live for Jesus. And if you live for Jesus, you're willing to die for Jesus because you know that there is a gift of eternal life. So I challenge all of us this Holy Week Hold on to God's unchanging hand. Hold on to your siblings. Hold on to your parents. Hold on to your friends. Hold on to your coworkers. Hold on like never before. Because there's an evil assault on this world. But guess what? God's got it. People are doing all kinds of crazy things, trying to, trying to turn back the hands of the time. But God's got this. Folk are standing up their chest as if they have more power than God. But the, at the end of the day, their bodies will turn to dust and God's going to still be God. What is our challenge? Our challenge is to love harder than we've ever loved before, work harder than we've ever worked before, and say, because the cross is real, I can be real. Because the cross makes me who I am, then I can stand firm in the gap and everything's going to be okay. At the end of the day, I can say, Hosanna, Hosanna. God's coming. Hosanna, Hosanna. Jesus is here. Hosanna, Hosanna. Life is what it is because of my master and the master's journey means my journey can be awesome, awesome and awesome. Amen, amen, and amen. Pray with me. Master, you know, Lord, you know what we go through. You know that during this Holy Week, the devil is trying to get us distracted, thinking about so many things, but let us focus, Lord, not on stuff and trappings, but on you. And let us embrace your journey through the blood, sweat, and tears, the piercing of your side, the thorns, I mean, the, 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 the nails in your hands and feet, Thorns on your head, whatever happens, oh Lord, we know that this, this is only a moment that radiant, your radiant glow will come from that, come from the tomb. The sisters will see you, the brothers will see you, and know that God's world is in order. Now we give thanks and we ask say that those who are listening in, oh God, and want to join your mighty army, know how to contact us or any church open in your name and say, I have said no to sin. I ask you to forgive my sins and come into my life. And it's such an easy step, Lord, and I'm so glad. And so I'll step up to the steps of the church or call the pastor to make this happen and continue my awesome, awesome journey. Those, for those on Facebook, for those who are doing glory sightings, the same is true. Now, Lord, we give thanks for this day and this holy week. In Jesus' name, amen.